Today's reading is 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 19 through 25. It can be found on page 1123 of the Bibles next to your seats as well as on the screen. <clears throat> this is God's word. For it is commendable if you bear up under the pain of unjust suffering because you are conscious of God. But how is it to your credit if you receive a beating for doing wrong and endure it? But if you suffer for doing good and you endure it, this is commendable before God. To this you were called, because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. He committed no sin and no deceit was found in his mouth. When they, buried their, when they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed, for you were like sheep going astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. The word of the Lord. Will you join me in prayer? Father, Son, Holy Spirit, we thank you for your presence among us today. We come here with all kinds of stuff going on in our lives, in our minds. We're going in many different directions. One thing is for sure, we have and we are and we, we will experience pain and suffering. We don't even want to think about suffering. We wish it would just go away. So God, as our shepherd, gather us together. We are very much like sheep. We have things that we get into trouble with, things we don't understand. We're always getting sick in our bodies, in our minds, in our hearts. God, will you allow us to feel your hand upon us, your grace pouring into our lives, filling up those cracks of uncertainty that plague us. Will you speak to us by the power of your word and through your spirit this morning? Amen. 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 Peter writes about unjust suffering. Is there any other kind, really? I mean... We don't like to think that. Our question of the week, uh, Mark gave me a lot of great answers from you guys, and I'm going to read some of them. Some of them are really thoughtful, painful even to read about tragic loss of loved ones, death, child dying, violence, loneliness. These are things that we want to avoid 
suffering that we want to avoid? That's the, that was the question. Uh, some were a little lighter. Jury duty. Can I get an amen? <laughs> Allergies. Thank you, Vincent. Allergies. Um, an over 23-minute sermon. <laughs> Hilarious. I know your handwriting. Uh, the dentist. My team losing again in game seven. I don't know who that was, but could have shortened it and just said LeBron. Hallelujah. Yeah, Hallelujah. <laughs> that's right. We had amen. a amen. Yeah, one one person wrote this. Interestingly, in light of all that stuff we just saw, uh, you need to suffer in order to be better. Though I wish I could avoid the pain from suffering. Bring on the suffering. Oh no, hold the pain. Thank you. That's kind of how we think. Many of those seem like bad luck, arbitrary. They could happen to anyone. Not many seem just, you know, like kind of just suffering, per se, as in consequences. I hope to avoid the suffering of jail for all the crime I committed, you know, that kind of thing. Or I hope I don't suffer a speeding ticket as I speed to work. That would be kind of like just suffering, right? Not many are about clear injustice, interestingly. Being arrested for a crime you didn't commit, for example. Being discriminated against unfairly. These things happen, I just didn't read about them in, in your answers. Amen. Being treated poorly as a low-level employee with a harsh boss. Yeah, some of us have seen that. Some uh, real big world issues didn't come up, I noticed. Uh, hunger, war, genocide, preventable diseases, homelessness, dislocation, being a refugee, being deported. Lots of stuff didn't come up for us. It's just an observation. But have you noticed that when you're thinking about your own difficulties and sufferings, when you, when you hear about others, either near or far away, it tends to, in a moment, change how you feel about your own? There's some stuff that can really make you look at your own issues a little differently. The juxtaposition, you know, genocide. Oh, I guess my allergies aren't that unbearable after all. Yes. All right. What do you mean genocide? Not to minimize, you know, allergies are rough. I, I have friends who are really suffering. And whatever you're going through, you don't want to go through it. It hurts. The pain is real. All that stuff, even the lighter things, can be really difficult. And if it's clearly unjust, then you definitely want to stop it. You want to fight against it. You want to uh, protest. You want to respond with outrage or a snippy tweet or a lawsuit. You know, you want to fight. 
But Peter here is suggesting something else for these Christians that he's writing to. He calls them aliens and strangers in a culture that in many respects, we've talked about this in weeks past, that is like ours today. And Peter suggests a unique, assertive submission that doesn't insist on one's personal rights. How are you? Mm-hmm. How are you? But it How demonstrates radical love. How radical. Yeah, high five. How are you? All right. How are you? Thank you, Vincent. Vincent's a Cubs fan. Yeah. <laughs> it's not passive acceptance of injustice. And it's not what could be called the mantra of our times, fight for your rights and follow your own path. It's not some kind of middle ground in between those two. It's a completely new and different power only found in the cross of Jesus Christ. God himself suffering on our behalf. Tim Keller said this, suffering can refine us rather than destroy us because God himself walks with us in the fire. I want to point out verse 21. To this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving an example that you should follow in his steps. Christians are little Christs, they're called to follow Christ's example. That's true, but notice the order. We are called to follow. Calling comes first. A call is something that interrupts. It's a disturbance. It comes from the outside. You're doing your life, you got things going on, and all of a sudden something from the outside tries to break in, intervene. The following part comes after. The following and example part is what we often think of when we think of religion. When, when people talk about religion, they talk about following a religious leader. And, you know, you follow these principles, you follow the example of fill-in-the-blank religious leader, be nice, do these things, follow the example... And if you get better and better at doing these principles, then you could be a better person of good standing in that belief system. Christianity doesn't work that way. You don't follow Jesus' example in order to enter into his good standing. You are family. He calls you by name. Remember the identity part from the video? He called you out of darkness into his glorious light. Once you were nobodies, now you are somebody. Now you are called, made somebody. Royalty, family, a royal priesthood. Now you may hear it said, well, I don't know about all the God stuff, but Jesus was a good dude, and following his example is great. And even a lot of people say that, even people who don't believe in God, Christians and non-Christians can say that. Just follow Jesus' example. He's a great guy, but watch out. 
if you really look at his example, the things he said and did, he always did the surprising yet perfect thing every time. I mean, we've had over 2,000 years to kind of uh, second guess the things he said and did. You know how when you think of the great one-liner later, it always happens. You're you're like, oh, I should have said this. That would have been perfect. Well, we've had 2,000 years, and nobody can ever come up with anything better that Jesus could have said or did. You don't ever hear anyone saying, oh, you know what Jesus should have said in that situation. This would have been awesome. If he would have just said this a little bit differently, it would have been fantastic. Nobody ever says that. Surprising, radical, and impossible. The things he said. Jesus said, you have heard it said, do not kill. I tell you, do not ever have a hateful word or thought. You should never be discontent or jealous. Really? Never? Never? (laughs) Give cheerfully. Yay. (laughs) Love your enemies. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. That's hard. Pray for those who persecute you. Don't wish for what anyone else has. That's a tough one. Don't commit adultery. Okay. Okay. And that means never lust. Oh, come on. Even Jimmy Carter. That's an old person joke. He's a great guy, but even Jimmy Carter. Jesus' example is perfectly wise every time. So if there's any hint in your thinking about Christianity, that it's about trying to be a good Christian, by getting better and better at it and more and more Christian, you will be discouraged. And you'll be on the wrong track. You'll be discouraged at how well you're doing on the track, and you'll be on the wrong track. I've had many conversations like that with people who say, Christianity, ah, I tried it. It's too hard. You know, it's discouraging and on the wrong track. Peter himself, the guy who wrote all this, that was a lot of words, I know. So Peter wrote this. He was an interesting dude who was always frustrated by his own attempts to follow Jesus. You know, he was always getting it wrong. Jesus said, I'm going to die and rise again. (laughs) Peter was like, yeah. Peter was laughing. He was like, no, you won't. I'll fight for you. And Jesus says, Peter, you're going to deny me three times tonight. Oh. Uh." He said, Jesus is washing his disciples' feet. And Peter says, you'll never wash my feet. It's too demeaning for you, Jesus. And Jesus says, then you have no part in me. And Peter says, oh, (laughs) then uh, wash everything. (laughs) Jesus is like, no, I'm good. Just your feet. Just your feet. (laughs) Peter's always getting it wrong. Soldiers, ah, look out. Hey, look, Jesus, I cut off his ear. And now you've healed his ear. Okay. Darn. Mary says, Jesus is risen from the dead. And Peter says, you are talking crazy, woman. 
I am going to go look for myself. That could never possibly be. Hi, Jesus. Hmm. <laughs> Wrong again. That's Peter. He's just constantly talking before he had time to think. Jesus was always patient with Peter. He didn't get better and better. But this is what happened to Peter. In the middle of his ups and downs, he finally came to understand that the depth of his weakness was no match for the strength and depth of God's love shown to him through Jesus. The first time Jesus met Peter, Peter says, get away from me. I'm not good enough to be around you. And through all the stuff he went through, he finally comes to realize. And later, he runs to Jesus with all of his mess. He runs to him, falls at his feet. Not because he was now good enough, but because he knew that Jesus, in Jesus, the good shepherd, was all the goodness that Peter had been chasing and trying to do on his own his whole life. Peter was chasing it, and right there it was, in the resurrected Jesus. Demonstrated in the most surprising an upside-down event in all of human history. The good shepherd becomes the lamb that was slain. The one who was insulted, tortured, and killed without a word for the sake of his sheep. Peter, you, me. When we see and understand that he did that for us? In our place? Then he's more than an example. He's a savior. Who is exemplary? He is one to follow. And who else can understand all of our suffering other than the one who suffered? And the shepherd and overseer of our souls. Our souls. Peter came to know that was the only thing he had worth anything. How about us? Jesus, that shepherd, said, What good does it do for a person to gain the whole world if they lose their own soul? The shepherd asks us, pursues us in love. Sometimes we talk about trying out Christianity. Maybe it would be better to talk about deciding to stop resisting the lover of our souls who pursues us. This might be happening to you right now. Sometimes it comes as a shock to us when, if we realize it's not all about us and our own choices and decisions. Maybe you've been living your life and everything's made sense working fine without God, 
But now, maybe there's something off a little bit. Maybe there's an alarm going off. Maybe there's a buzzing. Maybe something from the outside is trying to break in to your constructed life. In this way, Christianity decides on you, not the other way around. You have to decide in response, but the chase is on. The shepherd calls his sheep. And we often say this at City Life, that we want this to be a safe place for you to be wherever you are in discovering... Yes. Discovering what God, God's word is saying to you. And, you know, you don't have to feel like you have to say or do anything or participate in a way that's authentic to you. We often say that. You don't have to try to fit in. You know, you can try out some of these practices, singing, doing prayers, uh, participating in the meal that we're going to share, uh, the body and blood of Jesus. We want you to be authentic to your own journey. But I should say this, too, because I believe it. Maybe it's not all up to you. Maybe you're here today, not of your own volition. Maybe something bigger than you is at work. You are being pursued. I can tell you that for sure. By an all-good, all-powerful God who loves you and will never give up on you. Ezekiel writes it this way. For this is what the sovereign Lord says. I myself will search for my sheep and look after them. I will rescue them from all the places where they were scattered. I will bring them out from the nations and gather them from the countries. And I will bring them into their own land. They will feed in a rich pasture on the mountains. I myself will search for the lost and bring back the strays. I will bind up the injured and strengthen the weak, but the sleek and the strong I will destroy. I will shepherd the flock with justice. We read the passage twice already. With his stripes we are healed. Charles Spurgeon writes this. He was a preacher a long time ago. With his stripes... We are healed. Will you notice that fact? The healing of a sinner does not lie in himself, nor in what he is, nor in what he feels, nor in what he does, nor in what he vows, nor in what he promises. It is not in himself at all, but there where the pavement is stained with the blood of the Son of God. And there at Golgotha, where the place of a skull beholds the agonies of Christ. It is in his stripes that the healing lies. I beseech thee, do not scourge thyself. With his stripes we are healed. What would it be like if we really knew we were healed already? As we follow our shepherd with joy, in our, into our relationships with family, friends, into our workplaces and schools, into our neighborhoods, into all of our political actions, acting with this assertive submission 
of the shepherd's world-renewing love. What would that be like? Let's pray. God of grace, we are busy. We're busy chasing many things. And often, those things take us away from you. From understanding your sacrifice. From living as ones who are healed by your suffering. Shepherd, call us back. Call us back. Help us to see who we belong to. Help us to see the price that you paid to buy us back from ourselves. And God, go with us out into the world as lovers, lovers of your world, of your people, of our neighbors, who are not twisted up trying to seek justice ourselves, but basking in the justice that you provide and the grace with which you flood our lives. In the name of Jesus, amen.